0: As I I studied this, I'd been drawn to it before the pastor asked me to speak, and it's very convicting in these handful of verses. And I'm going to share as we study a little bit what Peter was trying to communicate to us and how important it was to Peter. Let me start out by saying, verse 1, I really like the New American Standard translation of that verse. And here's what it says. Simon Peter... A bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To those, Peter says, I'm writing to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, implicating, obviously, that there were other systems of belief out there. And he says, no, I, I'm, I'm addressing the ones a faith of the same kind does that remind you of anything else in scripture cuz it sure hit me genesis 1:24 and god said let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind and it was so it's replicating the same kind Not something different, the exact same faith that Peter had. He's trying to impart or bring into others the exact same faith. Now, as we look at these verses, obviously the we won't have this is really more of a study than a than a short sermon, and we won't have time to get into everything, but hopefully I can you'll see enough to make you want to get into these the way it it did me and what we're promised here if we follow the words of God given through the hand of Peter is a partaking of the divine nature and can you tell me any greater goal of the Christian life than to partake of the divine nature He says in verse 5, but also for this very reason. If you look back at the other verses, he's talking about the promise that God has given us, the benefits that we're going to have if we follow and hold our life to the Word. He said, for this very reason, giving all diligence. All diligence. That word means completely interest oneself most earnestly. It's a very strong almost a command. He said, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So we have to start with faith because that is the starting point for a Christian. We have to have faith to be saved. So again, Peter's talking to the same kind. They have his faith. What they don't have is Peter's maturity. And we should like, to hear the words of Peter, because if you go into, I guess, any church, and you take a poll and you say, what apostle do you most identify with? 90% of the people say who? Peter. (laughs) You're in the 10%. 90% are going to say Peter. So let's listen to who the apostle that we believe we most identify with what he has to say Now, he says, add to your faith virtue. That word means moral goodness. Moral goodness. If we as Christians, or professing Christians, don't address the things in our life that we see all around us, and that have been accepted by society. But the problem is, you can live your entire life. Never break a law in the United States of America and go straight to hell. It doesn't matter what the government says or the world says. It matters what the Word says if we're talking about salvation. And the Bible says your first step after faith needs to be moral goodness, you can say. It's also translated moral purity. And you say, well, how do you have that in a world like ours? Well, it's impossible unless you're a Christian, unless you have the Holy Spirit in you. And there again, this is a progression of a Christian life, someone who has the same like faith as Peter. He's saying, here's the path, here's what you need to be on. And again, we're going to see just how important this was to Peter. Moral goodness. Moral goodness. Strong says, where moral excellence is enjoined as an essential quality in the exercise of faith. An essential quality. Which means the lack thereof shows a lack of faith. Then what does he say? To virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, that word means an investigation, especially of spiritual truth, understanding spiritual truth. Strong says, the deeper, more perfect, and enlarged knowledge of Christianity, such as belongs to the more advanced, what's he saying? Going beyond milk and into meat. That should be our goal. That should be our desire. That should be our progression. We start with faith, which leads to moral purity, which takes us into the study for knowledge. Then he says, to knowledge, self-control. Self-control. Specifically, the virtue of one who masters... His desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. We don't even have pastors that do that. (laughs) have made it that far. In fact, they haven't gotten past faith, if they have it, to moral purity. And it's all around us. Why? Because they're not studying the Word. They're not following the Word. They're not obeying the Word. They're not living the Word. Probably not even reading the Word, except when they stand up in the pulpit on Sunday and preach. to self-control, perseverance. That's not a little thing, folks. And we've got to be way down that path to be able to handle this. Perseverance, the characteristic of a man, of course, or a woman, I love this word, who is unswerved, unswerved, from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. Now we read about these people, these missionaries and others, who have stood for faith regardless of the consequences. They were unswerved from their purpose. But yet how easy is it for the world to swerve us or to take us down, which makes it hard to be up doing the Lord's work. I don't know how, if you can relate to this. Fortunately, in the United States, while we all have trials and sufferings, I won't go into this, but I had one of the trials in my life a few years ago. By someone who paid money to corrupt officials to have me taken care of. And I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. It's not an easy thing. It's a hard thing. But yet the Bible says if you're on the path. And if you're unswerved from the path. Your mission continues regardless of what's going on around you. Period. Period. But if we'll grow from our failures and get on the path, God will bless us and he'll strengthen us and prepare us for the next trial and suffering. Perseverance to godliness. Little g. What does that mean? Well, if it's a big G, it's not referring to us. Okay? When it's a little g, it refers to us. It's a lifestyle of honor, reverence, and respect toward God. A lifestyle of honor, reverence, and respect toward God. You say, well, how do you live this kind of life? Well, Paul said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. We have a great example of a human being in the flesh fulfilling this. Then we add to godliness, brotherly kindness. That's the love which Christians cherish for each other as brethren. Cherish. And how we treat each other as brethren, and we all know, we've all seen the factions that have arisen or exist in churches because there is no love for the brethren. I'm convinced there's many pastors who really just don't even like their congregations. I mean, I'll just I'll just be honest with you. They don't. But this is part of that path. This is that progression and if we do these things, we can arrive where we have brotherly kindness in our hearts and it's what we should have because it identifies us as a Christian. And where do we end up? We end up with agape, the highest form of love. It's God's love for mankind, for God so loved the world. For us, here's a definition I wrote, which is... No definition would be perfect. But I said, The overwhelming desire, overwhelming desire for the spiritual good of our fellow man expressed in words and action. That's a lifestyle. But the only way to be on the path... The only way to make the progression is to turn our back upon this world. There is no other way. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. I mean, how much plainer can he make it? These spiritual attributes are presented by Peter as a progression. These are interconnected links, the end of which should be the goal of every Christian. This state of being, I am convinced, is the closest we can get to God while still in these human bodies. Not perfection, but a level of spiritual maturity that will free us from so much of the earthly baggage we all lug around and make us useful for the kingdom's purposes. I have no doubt but that what we are examining here is the progressive life of walking in the Spirit. Paul said in Galatians 5.16, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is fulfilling Ephesians 5.15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And that word circumspectly means deviating in no respect from our duty in no respect we follow our duty to Christ how important how important were these few verses to Paul what should really make us take note of what he just wrote In this section, beyond what we've already read, here's what Peter says Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. What'd he say? You're not going to forget them. (laughs) Not with me. I'm going to remind you, even though I know you know them, I'm going to keep reminding you of them. Then he says, he goes on. He says, yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Now, when he said, yea, I think it meet, that word meet means that which duty demands. I'm going to keep reminding you. Then he goes on again, <laughs> and he says, knowing that shortly I must put all this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. So, how important were these verses to Peter? From the other verses I just read, here's what he says in these verses: Peter states that he would be negligent. Do not always remind them of these things. His duty demanded, as long as he was physically alive, to remind them of these things. And he was going to continually remind them so they would remember them even after his death. <laughs> Meant a lot to Peter. Meant a lot to Peter. Why? He wanted to pass along the like kind of faith, the like kind, what he had. And this is how we get it. So how important should these verses be to us? Back to verse 10. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, the translation you read said, ye shall never stumble. I think the word fall is more appropriate because you know what that means? You say, well, it just means sin, and we all know we're going to sin. That's not what it means at all. It means, it's not what it means at all. He said, if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Here's what it means. To fall into misery, become wretched, falling short of salvation. How many people in churches today have fallen short of salvation? We want to be sure. Paul said, here's the path. Here's the path of certainty. Here is the narrow way. Will you get? I'm going to remind you and remind you and remind you. And will you go from the broad way? Will you get on the narrow path where you find the assurance of your salvation? And a closeness to God, the world, and unfortunately, so much of the church doesn't know. He says, because when you find that, you ain't going to fall. You ain't going to fall. He says, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. An abundant entrance into heaven. We may become religious, yet we may never become righteous under the blood of Jesus. Matthew 22 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? But they never got on the path. They never got on the path. What about those that don't hold this doctrine? Well, 1 John 3 says this, In this the children of God are manifest, made clear, and the children of the devil. Whoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither that, he that neither he that loveth not his brother. He said, I'll make it clear. Here's the distinction. You do righteousness, which is the path, or you're a child of the devil. <gasps> I'll make it plain. Child of the devil. And that word righteousness means this, integrity, virtue, purity of life. This is the path. Uprightness, correctness in thinking, feeling, and acting, i.e., the condition acceptable to God. Being in a condition that's acceptable to God. What about those that preach and teach differently Without an emphasis on godly living. Well, First Timothy 6, 3 and 4 says this. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, little g, the call upon us to live a godly life. The Bible says he is proud knowing nothing. Nothing. Well, he's saying you, could, you can go to Houston, Texas. And you can buy a basketball arena and renovate it and have 40,000 people in there Sunday morning. And if that man's not teaching his people to live a godly life, he's elevated himself above the Word of God and he doesn't know anything spiritually. Nothing! Doesn't know anything. That's not me. That's the Word. He is proud knowing nothing. Nothing. So what about the preachers on TV that say God will make me healthy and rich? Well, I agree 100% that God wants us healthy and rich. Healthy in doctrine and rich in faith. Amen. The year 2023 is quickly coming to an end. What will be the emphasis of our lives going forward into next year. I just say, may the things of the Spirit be more precious in our eyes than the things of this fallen and passing world. Time is short. Eternity is at hand. Thank you, Lord, for this time this evening. And Lord, as I've told the people before, when I get up and preach, I'm not preaching to them. I'm preaching to me. Things I need to hear. Things I need to adjust my life to. I pray, oh God, that I, I get on this path and I stay on this path. Till you call me home. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.